0: Most important thing that I always tell people: when you start a business, you always want to start it with somebody else. That being said, that person that you started with is the most important decision you can make. It's like getting married, and so your your choice of partner. I'm not sure if everybody you ask this question to says this, or if this is a unique answer or not. But for me, I, I I don't believe there should be any other answer. Your choice of partner is everything.
1: Hello, and welcome to Pillars Wealth Creation where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hey, our sponsor for the show today is Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota, and they were recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota and is only made through their investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. Look, there's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexammer. With me today, I'm excited to have Ben Lapitas. Ben, how are you doing today?
0: Doing awesome, Todd. Thanks for having me.
1: Awesome, awesome. I'm glad to have you on. A little bit about Ben. He is the director for Spartan Investment Group. Uh, Ben brings his skills in asset management and financial analysis to launch and grow Spartan's portfolio business line. With over two dozen successful deals under his belt prior to Spartan, Ben is also the founder of the Best Ever Real Estate Investing Conference, uh, which is coming up in, uh, well, by the time this airs, coming up within like a couple months. So that'll be be something you should look for as an audience, uh, because it's an awesome conference that I've been to. Um, And also the managing partner of Indigo Ownerships LLC. Before Spartan... Ben started a multi-million dollar study abroad company, which we'll have to hit on, and worked with several startups through IPO or acquisition. So with that said, Ben, why don't you give our listeners a little bit more kind of about your background,
0: where you're at today, what,
1: what all this stuff means that I just talked about.
0: Yeah, sure. Thanks, Todd. Uh, and thanks again for having me. Um, yeah, so I, I went to school, got a degree in finance, economics, thought I was going to do the Wall Street thing, 2008, 2009. And then it was an awesome atmosphere. <laughs> it lasted all of about three weeks before I decided that the last three years of my life was not the appropriate trajectory I wanted to take. Um, so I, I finished out a, uh, an internship at Barclays Capital where I was supposed to get the full-time offer to do sales and trading, but decided, you know what, I'm going to go to Costa Rica and see what that country has to offer in the midst of the Great Recession where tourism had just vanquished the economy. It was its yeah. largest export at the time. Um, and so I stumbled across an opportunity to teach, um, but not for me to teach, but to shepherd students from the U.S. to Costa Rica at this bare minimum like pricing. It was it was like a skeleton crew of tourism where I was in Costa Rica, so that they could learn about renewable energy, water conservation, biological reforestation, which Costa Rica has a plenty of. It's the only at the time in 09 it was the only place in the world that had. Uh, hydroelectric energy, biomass energy, wind energy, and general thermal energy, to the extent that there was commercial operating facilities all within a 30 minute drive of each other. Hmm. So it was a um, student's playground. If you were studying uh, renewable energy, which was a brand new engineering degree and engineers have a really hard time studying abroad. So we packaged together a 12 day all inclusive experience for 1200 bucks. Imagine just like partying in Costa Rica, getting three credits, Um, food, insurance, transportation, one awesome excursion a day, climbing to the top of a wind turbine for a hundred dollars a day, everything was included. Um, and it was a good starting point. We scaled that to about $4,000 a kid, 500 kids a year, um, over the course of the next three years before I sold off, sold out and moved on. Uh, so from there, um, it was a, it was a small win. So I still had to go, go work for some folks. I got into digital advertising in New York, the first company IPO'd within the first 12 months. The second company got acquired for over 300 million in the, next, in the first 12 months of my employment. So I was around a lot of VPs that just made a lot of money. I had taken my winnings from the study abroad company, bought some real estate. These folks uh, at these ad tech companies in New York started hearing about this young kid getting 20% cash on cash returns in these um, single families in B-grade cities. So they started throwing capital at me, accidentally started syndicating bought a multifamily, um, decided I did not like that, did not like hustling in real estate, realized that I wanted to start a business in real estate. Um, and I had learned so much doing business with the study abroad company that I just wasn't willing to take that step yet uh, to get in bed with other partners um, until I moved out to Denver, met some new people and we shifted my plan of buying uh, single family and multifamily cash flowing homes and their plan of buying condo conversions. Uh, there was two other guys that I met that had been doing condo conversions in DC. And we said, collectively, let's get out of residential real estate. Let's focus on uh, self storage assets and let's build uh, a functioning business instead of doing these side hustles. So that's the story.
1: So, Explain then what what the company does. Uh, self-storage, you just said, but yep. what, what is your niche? What's your specialty? How are you making money doing it?
0: Yeah. So we are a uh, acquisition and development company uh, focused on the self-storage commercial asset class. Um, so there's 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 a few hundred larger operators in self-storage, maybe, maybe 250, 300 of them. I'm only familiar with three of them that syndicate capital, meaning that they pool capital together from Main Street, $25,000, $50,000, $100,000 a pop to finance their growth. Um, Of those three, only two that I'm aware of, uh, do development, either expanding their assets or um, building up new ones from the ground up. So that's kind of our niche. Um, We're we're playing in a a, a pretty large space with uh, a small amount of larger operators and a massive amount of smaller operators. Um, and so we, it, it did not take us very long to become a medium sized operator.
1: Yeah. So self storage. So how, how did you guys decide self storage? We had residential people, um, deciding to go self storage. What made that decision? Why, why?
0: Yeah. So we took a look at the, at the investing landscape, the true asset investing landscape. And we said, we don't care if it's real estate or if it's mining carts or whatever. As long as it's a true asset, because that is something that cannot be uh, finagled with, with something like high-frequency trading or, or dark pools, things that I'm familiar with in my, my old days, but don't feel like I have any control over. Um, it's not a business operation to, to win with high-frequency trading. So uh, we took a look at it and we said, what is easy to maintain, easy to operate, and if real estate, easy to evict, basically easy to get your asset back if you are leasing it out. Um, And self-storage was the most lucrative looking um, option within the pool of assets that fell into those three categories.
1: So I look at a a lot of different asset classes and and my specialty is multifamily, um, which is a a very tight market, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, First, you know, how how tight is the self-storage market? And then how are you finding the deals? Is it, the typical broker relationships or how are you finding these deals?
0: It's, it's the same as, as, uh, all other real estate indicators. I mean, there's nothing too special other than our approach to doing business. Our approach to relationships I think makes a difference. Um, but there's nothing magical about that approach. Um, the self storage industry is, I mean, it's, it, it's had an amazing run. Over the last 10 years, it's had triple the performance of, of most other asset classes except for maybe industrial. Um, and that's just because it was a non-institutionalized asset class 10, 15 years ago, and now it very much is. So while rents have been growing by 6 to 10% for you know, from 2008 to 2015, at the same time, more institutional investors were coming in, reducing the cap rates. So you're getting a double whammy on values. Um, today, people have caught on, and there's very much an oversupply of self-storage in the market. Um, so there is more units available to rent than people looking to rent them in, in a good number of cities or a good number of intersections. But that that doesn't define a city. It's all intersection specific. So you can still find a good opportunity. You just have to be wise uh, and you have to really take your time to do your due diligence, to conduct your feasibility. You have to play it smart um, and you can still find good deals. And how we're finding them is, is the same, same uh, strategies as everybody else. We uh, maintain broker relationships. We're flying all over the country. Unlike with multifamily, you can't just choose a city and have a massive sandbox to play in. You might choose a city like DFW and your assets are in the dozens to hundreds, not thousands to 10 thousands. So it's it's it's, it's a little bit more requisite to have a larger uh, catch net. Um, and so we look coast to coast across 154 markets in 33 cities. So developing strong relationships with brokers um, and with other partners in all 154 markets is difficult. So we do have our top tier markets that we, we spend more time in.
1: Well, <clears throat> And you guys are doing development. You just, got you know, done saying that the yeah. you know, markets overbuilt in you know, certain areas, especially um, how are you being diligent to make sure your developments are going to work? I mean, that yeah, obviously we've got high vacancies. That's one thing we got to look out for, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So 25% of all development has occurred in five cities in the last four years. So those five cities, Denver, Seattle, um, I think Atlanta, I'm not remembering the other two right now. Um, those five cities have had the majority of development. So this development is coming from a lot of institutional players. We are concentrating in tertiary and secondary markets. So we're looking for assets in the three to $10 million range. We've occasionally put out offers higher than that. Um, but we are in places like Corsicana, Texas or Conifer, Colorado, as opposed to Denver, Colorado, or Dallas, Texas. Um, And we are looking for best-in-class assets that have expansion potential. Our hypothesis is is these secondary markets have not um, been subject to oversaturation because the coastal money that is financing these developments are looking at it and saying there is not the population growth and the income growth like DFW or Denver or Seattle to um, allow for this type of investment. Yet... Spartan believes that that population growth, that job growth, that revitalization of secondary markets is there and is occurring. Um, so we are looking for talents that have exciting things happening that you've never heard of before, that have not had an expansion occur or have had maybe only one um, new development occur in the last three, four years, um, has a lot of assets in the market. It's not just you know one storage slap in the middle of a super rural area. It's still a you know maybe the county seat. Um, and we are combining that with existing cash flow. So we'll buy a stabilized asset that has expansion potential. We'll benefit from the cash flow on the front end and then benefit from the the arbitrage between what we paid for the land out of the the original purchase price and the value of the, the building on the back end. So we get a little bit of the best of both worlds. Lower cash flow up front to finance the interest that we're paying on the debt to get that expansion occurring. But greater cash flow on the back end and uh, greater spreads when we do sell out.
1: Uh, that leads me to a, a, another quick question is what type of financing do you see? Obviously, I know multifamily, but why yeah. do you know self-storage?
0: Yeah, so the lending environment in self-storage is a little bit different than residential assets. You don't get agency financing. So you do have a higher interest um, debt. You're not finding that sub 4%. In fact, you're rarely finding sub 5%. Uh, in fact, it's typically with local and regional banks, you are getting closer to 6%. Um, the amortization period, often they try to push it a little bit shorter than multifamily. So you're looking at 25 years. Um, and uh, But with self-storage, you can typically get a little bit longer of an IO period. I'm not really sure what the IO period is in multifamily, but interest only period. Um, but I, I think it's typically like two years, right? 12 to 24 months?
1: Two to five years. Yeah. Two to
0: five years. Okay. So yeah. maybe it is the same because it, it's... We, we can find ourselves getting as, as high as five years uh, in are, as well. Are they all, are
1: they, are they all for full recourse or are they non-recourse as well?
0: Uh, that That's going to play kind of the same as, as the multifamily space. If you're getting a local or uh regional bank financing your, your debt, it's going to be, you know, recourse maybe yeah. with a burn off maybe. Um, but if you're getting an institutional debt provider or life co money, you're going to get, um, uh, uh, non-recourse. That being said, your LTVs, I think you're going to typically be a little bit lower. Like life is going to be looking at 55, 60% LTVs. A debt mm-hmm. fund would prefer 65, but might go as high as 70, 72. I think multifamily you can get as high as 80, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Hey, let's take a minute to thank our sponsor Pine Financial Group. Look, you work hard for your money. Is your money working hard for you? Because of inflation, money sitting idle erodes your wealth. Many investors understand that real estate is a great investment, but may not want the effort or the risk that comes with owning their own property. They want to sit back and have payments. Hit their bank account each and every month. Stop eroding your wealth and start building it by asking your money to work for you. You should be earning profits while you sleep in investment backed by real estate. Pine Financial Group, the leader in hard money lending in Colorado and Minnesota was recently approved to offer their investment publicly. This investment offers only for investors in Colorado and Minnesota, and is only made through the investment prospectus. Get your copy today. Simply visit www.pineinvestments.com and click to get started. There's a reason why some of the wealthiest people in history invest in loans backed by real estate. Learn more about the risks and returns at www.pineinvestments.com. It's www.pineinvestments.com. Well, let's shift to the, the, the business aspect. I mean, you've grown a couple of businesses. You've been involved in others that have went public. Um, what's some advice, maybe three things that you've taken from your experience on operating a business successfully, on, on being able to grow it?
0: So the very, very first thing, the most important thing that I always tell people, when you start a business, you always want to start it with somebody else. That being said, that person that you started with is the most important decision you can make. It's like getting married. And so your your choice of partner, I'm not sure if everybody you ask this question to says this or if this is a unique answer or not. But for me, I, I, I don't believe there should be any other answer. Your choice of partner is everything. Um, and so after that first business uh, that I started, it wasn't the best relationship with my partners. And so I, I was much more cautious. And so a lot of folks approached me with great ideas, things that I was interested in. It just wasn't, didn't feel like the right marriage. It didn't, it felt like somebody that maybe I could date a little bit. There could be a little bit of a courtship, but not somebody that I'd be willing to tie my livelihood to for the next 10 to 20 years of my life. And that's really what it's about is, I mean, you're tying your livelihood to another person. When you're younger, you can take more risks with that uh, because you can experiment. You get to understand people and it's just your own livelihood. But as you grow up, you decide to get married on the personal side, have kids. It's the livelihood of the people that you support. So when you're uh, tying yourself to a partner, um, you are subjecting the, 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 the financial performance and the lifestyle of your family who is not participating in your business to the whims of this other person. You can put contracts together, um, but at the end of the day, having a great relationship makes all the difference. The, the operating agreement isn't going to save you from a terrible, terrible time if things don't work out.
1: Yeah. What? Why... Why a partner? Why, why do you feel like a partner is a necessary thing? Why not be able to do it on your own?
0: So you absolutely can. You definitely can. Um, I, have a, I have a bunch of reasons for why a partner. Sure. Uh, I spent a, a quick minute in venture capital. And the very first thing that VCs look at in, in private equity space is not the product. It's not the traction. It's the team. It's who is on the team. And if you're a one-man show, that means that you have not been able to share your vision with somebody else. You share your crazy vision on what you're going to accomplish with somebody else to the extent that they've been able to sign up and say, I'm going to attach my livelihood to this vision. And so you are telling all of the external parties out there, there is nobody else that uh, has signed up for this adventure with me to the same extent that I've invested. Um, And so that's okay. You can still make progress that way. Uh, But it's immediate validation to have a partner in the world. Um, You validate each other. Uh, But more importantly, the external environment looks inside your business and says there must be something going on there because it might be a fluke to have one crazy person. It's less likely a fluke to have two crazy people, even less so to have three. (laughs) So uh, that's that's reason number one. Not the not not the reason to have a partner in and of itself. Not the only reason. Number two, I think entrepreneurship is 50 percent execution. uh, Excuse me, 25 percent execution, 25 percent planning. And 50% psychology, just getting your head straight, Um, being able to wake up in the morning and say, yeah, I can keep doing this and just to Mm -hmm. stay motivated and to not let the the, uh, punches to the gut get you down. And when you have partners, everybody's got those days. And so you can assist each other um, and and float each other up. One person can take that that bad mental day and the other person can support them. And the next day you you switch out. Same thing in a marriage, right? When, When things are going rough. Um, number three is collaboration beats competition every time I could go, you know, do this Spartan investment group by myself, but I know that I would be able to, to find deals just as well, because that's what I do at Spartan do the corporate finance just as well, because that's what I do at Spartan. I would do investor relations decently. I wasn't too bad at that when I was running on my own, but I would be awful, awful at asset management, property management. Um, uh, and when I say asset, I, I mean, vendor management. Getting the construction yeah. off the ground, getting the, uh, the, the tenants paying, just paying attention to those things. I just do not feel motivated on a daily basis to keep up with it. I want to look for the next deal. Uh, to ADD to pay attention to what I've got on my plate. Um, and I try doing that and I learned from that. So collaboration beats competition every time. I'd rather have partners to take the things off my plate, to do the things that I don't want to do, um, to allow me to have the life that I want to have in my professional and personal world. And I'm happy to take a smaller slice of the pie in exchange for that.
1: I like that collaboration beats competition. Definitely. What's a mistake that you've made and how have you learned from that mistake and and changed what you do?
0: Uh, I've made so many Um, choosing the wrong partners, number one, but we've already kind of dove into that. Um, And number two is, is thinking that I can do everything. I did buy an asset with the intent of, managing it myself on behalf of seven other people. And I don't believe that I did the best that I could have. And I, um, uh, would not have appreciated that if I was in the investor's position, but I do believe I made it right. At the end of the day, um, the biggest mistake I've made has been in, um, being too haughty, uh, not having hubris, thinking that my business is easy and I don't, I can take my eye off the ball. So um, you know, I said that I had done uh, over uh, two dozen successful real estate transactions before I joined Spartan. I had bought six multifamilies. I had done 15 flips, and everything was done—excuse me, 15 um, uh, cash-flowing uh, single families. Everything was done with the intent of cash flow. And I had to flip a house to get it rent-ready every single time, and I did that from New York in cities that were not New York. No big deal. So I thought, why not look for a bigger margin? and do these flips. So I purchased five assets over the course of a 10 month period. The first one went well enough, made 25 grand. So I thought, okay, easy enough. I bought the other four. Three of them lost me close to 200 grand combined. (laughs) I um, made awful purchasing decisions because I thought it was too easy. I made um, awful trust decisions, thinking that I could just trust people to execute on my behalf. Um, and I made awful management decisions thinking that I did not have to keep my eye on the ball every single day. Uh, and by consequence of that, I ended up losing quite a bit of cash. None of it was mine at the time. So, uh, it was all equity investments from other people. And so I, I essentially lost, um, $120,000, $130,000 of other people's money. Um, so I did the right thing. I did not say, Hey, this was a risk you took. I leveraged assets that I had free and clear got some cash back, took some out of uh, some college savings and uh, paid them back plus eight and a half percent annualized. So um, I learned very, very much the hard way about collaboration beats competition every time.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and good lesson to learn. Obviously, you never want to lose money. Luckily, it was only a fairly relatively small amount, you know, not not like three, four or five million dollars. Right. But Uh, And you did the right thing. You you gave your investors their money back, plus a little bit of extra interest for for their money, and um, you learned some valuable lessons. And I don't know what those investors are doing right now, but likely you've salvaged those
0: every single one. Yeah, yeah, much better returns.
1: (laughs) Yeah, making better returns. But but it speaks to you know what you were able to do there, and now now they trust you. They know. Cause that's a big deal. you right. You can lose money on every deal, but what happens if you, what happens if you do and what, how are you going to act? Yeah. yeah. Um, so for some of you trying to get to the, to the next level, to your level, to, to above that level, what are a couple key things? We've already talked about finding the right partner. Um, some other key things maybe to get there to that next level.
0: I think education is important. Um, don't stop educating yourself. Uh, just because you graduated college, education can come in a lot of forms. It can come in reading and not just reading business books relative to your, um, direct industry, but reading mindset or psychology books or, Mm -hmm. or human nature books, uh, or even just what's going on in politics. I mean, I, I like to read the economist. I like to read, um, the New York times bestsellers like uninhabitable earth or she said, or, um, you know, just, just to hear what's going on in the global, uh, environment. Um, that helps my business much more specifically because I have a a high percentage of the responsibility for driving our investment thesis. So I I need to know what's going on in the global environment. Um, but it, it could also come in certifications, taking classes. Um, you know, my, my CEO, Scott Lewis, he has, I think five degrees or something like that. Plus a six Sigma certification. He still learns and teaches through the military. And so that's certainly trickled down in our organization to always be learning. Uh, because learning um, drives growth. That's number one. Um, Let's see. Catch me a little off guard here. Not super prepared for this, Um, but have your, okay. So this is, this is a good one. Have your life in order. I think, um, I I think when I came out of school uh, in, in the 09010 timeframe, there was a lot of drive your own, make your own path, drive your own train because there just wasn't any job opportunities. And so entrepreneurship was a very sexy thing and running around with a, uh, with a hustle was a very sexy thing. And burning your boat was a phrase that I heard all the time. And what I've learned about burning your boat, meaning basically p- throwing all of your chips in so that you're not sure where you're going to get your next meal from. Hungries make bad decisions. Uh, that's the reality is that Hungries make bad decisions. So having your life in order outside of business, um, being able to ha- be on kind of like a routine track in your marriage, in your um, your family, in your recreation, in your friendships, in your home, um, helps you to be more creative in your uh, professional environment so that you can be more successful. If you are worried about where your next meal comes from, or if you are worried about all of that debt that you took on because you're ninety five percent leveraged um, because that capital is so cheap and opportunities are so, um, everywhere, like everybody was doing back in two thousand and fourteen it 's difficult to be as creative um, and generous in your business growth and to segue that i 'd say number three is is generosity um, i 've learned with Spartan we have values growth, respect, integrity, transparency, and tenacity it 's an acronym for grit. those are the values at Spartan Investment Group, and integrity was a big one. Um, You know, I I always thought I had it, but not to the extent that has been um, issued at at Spartan. Um, And so doing the right thing every time was not, was something that I always did. But the level of generosity in that integrity definition at Spartan has taken it to another level. And I've seen that come back to us tenfold. So, um, you know, working with a debt broker who ultimately doesn't get the loan and um, we get a loan from somewhere else. We still sent him a check just to say thank you. Here's 10 grand for helping us out, and that comes back to us. Um, you know, producing Spartan coins, uh, the Order of Spartan, where every time somebody invests in our deal, we don't have to create these coins on on our own dime. It's not coming out of the project costs. It's coming out of Spartan's fees. We create these coins, these colored coins, and we issue them not only to our investors but everybody who is involved: the inspector, the broker, the seller. Um, and so when that seller has another deal, there's an emotional response involved there. So the level of generosity in that integrity definition has grown our business faster than I thought it would have.
1: I, I like the uh, the Spartan coin. I mean, it's, you know, it's a little gift. It's something kind of cool, but it also is a great marketing uh, reminder as well.
0: It is. And it sits on people's desks, you know, every yeah. day. You know. Yeah. So, sense of pride.
1: Yeah. And they're thinking of oh, you. Oh, we, we sold these guys a deal six months ago. I bet they're hungry for another one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah cool. Um Six, what's eight. a <laughs> <laughs> um what's what's kind of the goal of for you and the the vision of a company kind of moving forward let's say you know 5 10 years from now.
0: Yeah so I I don't think that this is a um an IPO company. I think this is a somewhat a lifestyle company but more so just creating a great place to work in our vision statement for the company we have all of our stakeholders listed out in that in that three four sentence uh, vision statement, and the first stakeholder that's listed is our employees. We want to create a great place to work. We want to create an environment that mirrors what we wanted in our respective workplaces. You now, myself in the tech industry, Scott in the in the government and the military, and and Ryan in uh, in in the airline industry. Um, we want to create a great place to work. That's number one. So. Our future end state that we're visualizing right now is a 30 to 50 person corporate team with dozens of other onsite staff and consultants um, with the culture of work that makes sense, that creates the best productivity coupled with the best work life balance, um, the best benefits so that all families are invested into our company. That's awesome. the vision for the company.
1: Yeah. Awesome. And cool. That's
0: not tied to real estate. That's not tied to investing. We could go build furniture or make Nintendos and you know, um, we would be happy as long as that was our outcome.
1: Yep, yep, that's really cool. Yeah, knowing where you where you want and where your vision of the business is and, and I do like that you didn't mention really anything about the product. You're mentioning really about what you guys are trying to achieve, the culture you're trying to to have. Um, but that really helps set you up for being able to provide a business that does those types of things.
0: Yeah. I, I can intentional. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you have a great place to work, you're going to attract a plus players only yeah. and a players will get that flywheel spinning even faster. Um, you can just take your foot off the gas and it'll self perpetuate. So it, it's, it's a selfish motivation, but it's also, um, an altruistic one. It's, it's just awesome that you can do well by doing good. I yep. think if you focus on people first, it, it will get you the outcome that you need. And that's what all the literature today says. You're good to grade, or, or the four tendencies or built to last or whatever. Um, it's all about people at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I think we've started to realize more and more that that's, that's really what it's all about. It's about building something beyond just yourself. And doing that is going to actually get the results we all selfishly want um but yet you're serving the greater good as well so yeah. I, I think the less you chase the money the more the money
0: probably comes yeah and that's that's been a lesson learned that's been yeah. a lesson learned for sure
1: definitely and for me too for for if for anybody who's like that hey we're going to get rich or chase the money so um what what are Maybe a couple uh, daily habits, morning routines, whatever uh, that you that you do to set yourself up.
0: Oh man, you're, you're getting me at a bad time. I've got a two year old that uh, with uh, another. <laughs> so you got no days. habits <laughs> <laughs> in like forty days, so pretty yeah, limited. Um, but we we do have a, a three day um, office culture, so we do work from home two days a week. So I set my my two days of working working from home. Um, make sure I, I put on the same clothes I would when I go to the office. I get up at the same time, do the shower at the same time. Um, And as soon as my wife is out the door, I am on my computer working. Um, That's number one. I think a good diet, good sleep, good exercise is really important. I've done that previously, not currently doing that at the moment. Um, But I can I can see the results in my or um, in in my efficacy, my efficiency um, when I don't eat, sleep and move correctly. But um, taking taking an hour a day just to exercise and uh, going to bed at the right time and eating the right things. I, I usually my productivity is is double. That being said, right now I'm I'm pulling all nighters once a week. So,
1: <laughs> yeah, I hear you, man. I, I can remember the the young kid stage. It's definitely a little little change of pace.
0: Yeah, a little bit. Perfect.
1: Um, I've got two more questions before we wrap. One is, what's your favorite business or real estate uh, book?
0: Yeah, uh, so I think right now is "Am I Being Too Subtle" by Sam Zell. Oh, I like um, that one. Yeah, have you, okay. People have said that one before. Uh, well, I, I
1: I don't know that anybody on the show has actually said that. I like the book, but
0: okay. Yeah, it's 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 more of a, a lesson by story, lesson by anecdote than it is lesson by education. The guy yeah. doesn't ever say this is what you should do. He just right. it's basically an autobiography and um, just a kick ass rags to riches story of how to. Not care at all about real estate and and make more money in real estate than anybody else. Um, so yeah, great book.
1: Yeah, guy with what, like a $5 billion net worth or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not too bad. Um, as so a last question, what are your three pillars of wealth creation?
0: Ooh, my three pillars of wealth creation people, family, um, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Sense of purpose. That's, that's, that's what I'm going for. Perfect. So I like the people I work with my family at home and a sense of purpose. I think those are, those are my three whys, which is I think the heart of the question, right? Is what are your three pillars of wealth creation or like, what's your why?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Definitely. Great things. So, um, Uh, Awesome stuff. Good information. Uh, We're going to put a wrap on the show. So tell our listeners where they can reach out to you uh, to learn more about you and your company.
0: Yeah. So definitely check out besteverconference.com February 20th to 22nd in Keystone, Colorado. Over 50 speakers, three days, uh, no sales on stage, no sales funnel for the event. It's all just high quality industry trade event content. Um, So you can find me there uh, in Keystone bec20.com or you can reach out to me at Spartan investment group at Ben at Spartan investors.com.
1: Awesome. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. Again, I appreciate you coming on the show and ton of value you've been able to add.
0: Cool. Thanks Todd. Appreciate you, man.
1: Hey, thanks for listening to the show. A couple things before we go again. Go on to our Facebook page, Pillars of Wealth. We'd love to have you on there. Go on to iTunes, give us a rating and review, and subscribe to the show. Also, um, you know, don't forget, reach out to me if you want any help with uh, potentially growing your business. And reach out to John Styles to help you buy or sell real estate. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. Have a fantastic the rest of the day. And as I say, make every day a Saturday.